0: people have kind of referred to syphilis as like the great imitator because it can look like so many different diseases but um, secondary syphilis again um, can have you know this like rash you can have headache you can feel tired um, you can have muscle and joint pain you can have you know like abnormalities in your blood work like you can have high um, liver enzymes um, you can have protein in your urine. Um, You can even have um, meningitis, which is like an infection of like the spinal column. Um, You can have hearing loss or ringing in your ears. You can have like vision changes or inflammation of the eye. It's really just there's like this huge array of symptoms that you can have.
1: According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, rates of the sexually transmitted infection syphilis have been climbing across the country. In Wisconsin in particular, our state's Department of Health Services recently recommended that pregnant people be screened twice during pregnancy for syphilis, which can have significant effects on fetal health and development. On this episode of the Women's HealthCast, Dr. Ryan Lewalwitz joins us to talk about signs and symptoms of syphilis, the importance of frequent testing for STIs, and how to lower your risk for encountering syphilis. Dr. Llewellwitz is an obstetrician-gynecologist in the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. From the University of Wisconsin-Madison Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology, I'm Jackie Askins and you're listening to the Women's HealthCast. I am very excited to be joined on the Women's HealthCast today by Dr. Ryan Llewellwitz. Thank you so much for being here with me to talk a little bit about syphilis during pregnancy.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um I do have questions about a particular as, um, sexually transmitted infection. Um we'll learn a little bit more about that later, but before we get too far into that, can you tell me a little bit about your like your practice, your medical life, kind of what your job looks like?
0: Yeah, um so, you know, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist for the University of Wisconsin. Um, recently just started with them, um, although I've been associated with the residency um, as a clinical instructor for almost the last five years now, Um, but recently just joined the department full-time. But yeah, I mostly do obstetrics as well as um, office gynecology. Um, I see a lot of people for STD screening and contraception, Um, and then like I mentioned, a lot of prenatal care. I wanted to
1: do an episode about syphilis because I've been reading um, kind of nationwide that there's a, a, a big increase in diagnosed cases. And then I know in Wisconsin in particular, in the last several months, um, our State Department of Health Services you know, put out an advisory that people during pregnancy should be tested you know twice during pregnancy for this disease, at least in some of Wisconsin's more populous counties. Um, and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to just learn more about syphilis in general, and then some of the concerns about um, having syphilis during pregnancy. Um, so we'll start with, I guess, what is syphilis?
0: Yeah, um, I, th- I think it's a great topic because I, you know, I think you're right. We just, it's not one of the more common things that we talk about, um, but it's definitely a, a, uh, a disease that's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, um, with that, I guess I'll get started. Yeah, syphilis is a, is a sexually transmitted infection. Um, it's caused by a bacteria called Treponema pallidum, um, which is like a spirochete bacteria, which basically means it looks kind of like a curlicue um, if you look at it under a, a, a microscope.
1: How does someone encounter that bacteria or become infected with syphilis?
0: Yeah, like, like I mentioned, it's a sexually transmitted infection. So, you know, it's if someone would come into contact with it by having unprotected um, intercourse with someone who's already infected. Um, it can be vaginal intercourse. It can be um, oral intercourse or anal intercourse. Um, and um, typically what needs to happen is is you have to have someone has to have typically an active infection. Um, and then it, it's able to transmit through mucous membranes as well as damaged skin. Um, another route that you know you can get it is actually mothers who are infected with it, and if they're pregnant, can actually pass it on to their newborns, which is kind of what um, you know the you had mentioned earlier is is why it's more uh, I guess discussed in pregnancy. Um, there's also a small possibility for transmission among needle sharing. Um, for people who use IV drugs, but that's less common.
1: Um, Are there common signs or symptoms for people to look out for to to tell whether they have syphilis? And then I guess I'm curious, does everyone experience symptoms?
0: No, not everyone will have symptoms um, of syphilis, but um, there are a portion of population who or people who become infected that will develop symptoms syphilis is kind of odd in the sense that it has multiple different stages and each stage can have different symptoms. Um, primary syphilis, which is like the earliest phase of the disease typically has patients will report like a painless ulcer or something we call a shanker on their skin. Um, and that's usually like, will be present about three to six weeks after infection and, um, it's, it's not always painless. Sometimes people can have painful ones. Um, typically, like they say, it's like a single ulcer, but there are also reports of multiple ulcers. Um, and then when you get into secondary syphilis, then it becomes a little bit more um, just, there's just a wide range of symptoms, you know? I mean, people have kind of referred to syphilis as like the great imitator because it can look like so many different diseases, but... Um, Secondary syphilis, again, um, can have, you know, this like rash, you can have headache, you can feel tired, Um, you can have muscle and joint pain, you can have, you know, like abnormalities in your blood work, like you can have high um, liver enzymes, Um, you can have protein in your urine, Um, you can even have... um, meningitis, which is like an infection of like the spinal column. Um, You can have hearing loss or ringing in your ears. You can have like vision changes or inflammation of the eye. It's really just, there's like this huge array of symptoms that you can have. And so it makes it hard sometimes to diagnose um, uh, or, you know, differentiate it from other diseases. Um, And then, and then, there, there is also a tertiary or, or there's a latent phase where, in be- you know, after you get through the secondary phase, there's this latent phase where you may not have any symptoms at all. And then you can actually develop what we call tertiary syphilis, which is a much later progression of the disease. Um, and... Um, I think we'll we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit here, but it's 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 uh, again it's got even more <laughs> abnormal findings and and different you know you know disease or different uh, different presentations.
1: Do some of the symptoms that you described in secondary syphilis arrive over time? So, like if if someone became infected, didn't um, have it like diagnosed or treated early does the disease kind of like morph and develop the longer that someone is infected without it, without it going treated?
0: Yes and no. Um, You know, like for some patients they'll, they'll, they will, yeah, they'll progress and kind of like develop different things along the way. But like I said, sometimes patients will just go from one stage to the next. And like, again, there's a possibility that you may, you know, progress quicker into like a stage where you just don't have, a lot of symptoms. Um, and like I kind of mentioned that if you leave it undiagnosed and untreated for a long time, about 20 to 5 to 40% of those patients will again develop this tertiary syphilis. Um, and I could just talk about that. Now, the tertiary syphilis is, 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 again, it's like the latest or the last manifestation of uh, syphilis. And, um, it can, eva- it can affect all sorts of systems as well. You know, you can have cardiovascular issues, um, like you can have, you know, which can affect like your heart valves and your aorta, which is like a large vessel that goes from your heart, you know, to the rest of your body. Um, you can develop these things called gummas, which are these basically like, they're, they're like these kind of like like almost like tumors of, of inflammation and they can either present as like large ulcerations, um, or like raised areas. And they're just basically like collections of just like inflammatory cells that just develop, um, on the body and they can be anywhere. They can be in the internal organs. They can be on your skin. Um, you can also develop, uh, you know, I'd kind of talked about, um, meningitis where you can get like a meningiovascular neurosyphilis which is basically you have inflammation of your arteries of the spinal cord of the brain um and then you know which could lead to basically a stroke at some point um you can have people where it the the syphilis gets into the patient's brain and then it can cause dementia. And there's a condition known as tabes dorsalis, which, uh, is basically when the, uh, syphilis infects the, the nerve roots in the, the brainstem there. Um, and then, um, yeah, it can cause, you know, vision changes and all kinds of, of different things is the longer you let it go.
1: I am not an expert in, um, other sexually transmitted infections, but when I'm I'm hearing you describe some of the long-term complications or risks if it goes untreated, and it's striking me that it's very whole body in a way that I don't tend to think about some sexually transmitted infections being some, I guess I think of them mostly staying kind of local, I guess, but this one does not, this seems very systemic
0: yeah, no. This one can definitely progress to being become a systemic disease if left untreated. You know, a lot of other, a lot of other sexually transmitted infections also can kind of affect patients in ways they don't realize. You know, I mean, gonorrhea and chlamydia can, you know, can cause inflammation in other parts of the body, and they can, you know, cause damage to, like, say, like the ova- you know, the fallopian tubes and things like that. So you know, you know, I, I think we tend to think of sexually transmitted infections as, you know, local, but you know. Syphilis and others can, you know, go beyond and, you know, create systemic, you know, you know, problems.
1: So how does someone get screened or tested to find out if they have syphilis or other sexually transmitted infections?
0: Yeah, first, you know, I, I should mention who should get tested. You know, I I, I, I kind of meant to mention that earlier. Testing's relatively easy. It's typically we start off with a blood test, okay? And for we recommend testing for anyone who you know has engages in high risk sexual behavior. So um, anyone who accepts money for you know um, sex, or if um, you've had um, you know. If you're going on like social media apps to find partners, things like that. Um, Let's see here. Anyone who, um, you know, trades sex for drugs or anything like that. So we recommend all those populations definitely get screened. Um, Also, you know, there's a high rate of infection in men who have sex with men. So we also recommend that they get screened. Um, And then all pregnant women, we also recommend they get screened and we'll talk definitely more about, you know, when and, you know, when they should get tested. Um, and then also if you've ever been um, if you've ever been diagnosed with a sexually transmitted disease such as gonorrhea or chlamydia, then we would also recommend that you would get screened for syphilis as well. Um, and so those would be your, you know the populations we'd recommend getting tested. Um, like I said earlier, the testings a blood test and kind of how that goes about there's there's multiple different ways to test for, um, syphilis, but if as long as you kind of follow one of the algorithms, then you know you should be able to detect this disease. And um, again, it's it's just blood tests. So you go to the lab, you get your blood drawn, and then um, typically, if one test is positive, there's usually a secondary test after that to kind of confirm. So one's usually to kind of screen to make see if you if you have it, and then the other one is to confirm it, and then um, and then you would kind of go from there.
1: So I guess the question from there is um, if syphilis is diagnosed, someone has the screening test, the blood test, um, and it's confirmed, how does it get treated? What happens next?
0: Yeah, so the treatment is penicillin, you know, (laughs) one of the earliest antibiotics we had have, and uh, this is still the best treatment for syphilis is penicillin. Um, It's typically, it's not as effective orally, um, so you either usually have to give it like as an intramuscular injection or through uh, IV, and that's the best way to treat it. Um, Depending on what stage of the disease you're in, that would kind of determine the dose and like the duration of how long you'd be treated, um, but again, the key is, is finding it and then getting the treatment as soon as possible.
1: Are there effective options for folks who have penicillin allergies?
0: Um, you know, there are, although penicillin tends to be the best one. And so what we use is we actually tend to, we'll actually bring patients into the hospital and we'll desensitize them. So we'll like go through this long process of giving them like, Increasing doses over time. And then we just watch them to make sure they don't have an allergic reaction and then make sure the patient's in a safe place so that, like, obviously, if they did have a, a reaction, then we can treat them appropriately. Um, I've done this once in my life <laughs> and um, it was pretty wild. You know, you brought somebody in and you just kind of like, yeah, the pharmacy dose, this huge, you know, like, like regimen of different doses of penicillin. And then slowly throughout the day, we just kept giving this patient higher and higher doses of penicillin until they were finally treated.
1: I wanted to talk to you in particular. I mean, I, I wanted this whole baseline of understanding the disease better, but um, not super long ago last year, I saw an advisory from our state department of health that was um, advising that pregnant People in some of Wisconsin's more populous counties get screened twice during pregnancy for syphilis. Um, and so I have a few questions about that, starting with uh, why is it so important that pregnant people are screened for syphilis?
0: Well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, syphilis can be passed from the mother to the fetus or infant. And so we definitely, you know, that's that's one, and it's a preventable illness. And so that's why we want to screen all pregnant women. Um... As far as why they, you know, Wisconsin Department of Health uh, issued this advisory is because um, we've actually seen a huge increase in um, incidence of uh, syphilis in the state of Wisconsin. Um, In Milwaukee, which I think had the highest percentage increase, was 300% since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, And actually, the largest group was women of childbearing age. Um, So, so the, um, the recommendation typically has been just screen somebody in the first trimester um, unless you're living in a high-risk area, which now the populous counties of Wisconsin are now in that high-risk um, area. So now the, the recommendation is to screen in the first trimester as well as in the third trimester. Interestingly, the, the WHO or the World Health Organization, they've been recommending twice um, – you know, screening twice during pregnancy for quite a while. So they, again, recommend first trimester and third trimester screening as well. Um, And, um, yeah, again, like I said, you know, this is a preventable disease. We catch it, then we can treat it and then prevent, you know, some of the effects of having syphilis during pregnancy.
1: What are some of those effects of having syphilis during pregnancy? Are there um, risks to the fetus or, I guess, kind of why is it so important to screen and prevent this illness when you're pregnant?
0: What can happen during pregnancy is that, you know, you can, you can see effects during the actual pregnancy itself. And then you can also, you know, if it's not caught during pregnancy, then you can see effects, you know, with the child um, as they're growing up. And so things that you would see in pregnancy, well, one, there's an increased risk for, for stillbirth. So, you know, Find, diagnosing this and treating it will prevent, you know, stillbirths from happening. Um, if it's, you know, if it's left untreated in pregnancy, it can cause, you know, low birth weight. It can, can cause increased amniotic fluid or polyhydramnios. It can cause something called placental megaly, which is where the placenta gets enlarged. Um, it can cause the fetal liver to get enlarged, patomegaly. Um, and, and so those are all things that, you know, um, obviously would make your pregnancy higher risk and, you um, Um, ultimately, you know, the, the goal is to end, you know, fetal death at that point, you know, um, if a baby is born and they've, you know, contracted congenital syphilis, um, they can have a wide, another wide range of, of different, um, symptoms. Um, one of the, the more common ones that, you know, is described as, as a rash and it's, uh, vesicular bulbous rash, which basically these, you know, children develop these kind of like blisters almost all over their skin, and they they have their skin peels off. Um, but they can also develop meningitis, which again is that inflammation of the brainstem. They can um, develop uh, anemia, so their blood levels are low. They can have hair loss. They can even have a developmental delay due to syphilis. Um, and, um, you know, that... Then, it, you know, and, and and again, not every, you know, fetus that's born to, you know, with congenital syphilis will show these symptoms right away. So sometimes it'll even be kind of like a late onset, like we talked about with, with, um, with adults. And, um, you know, the later symptoms, again, wide range, but they can have, um, you know, abnormally shaped teeth and they can have um, issues with bones. They can have... Um, uh, they can have deafness. Um, you know, um, there's uh, just a wide range of, of different um, different symptoms that they can that they can develop. Thankfully, I, I'll mention this too. Thankfully, you know, this, this isn't very common in the United States. Um, I think partially just because we, we do screen for it. Um, there's about 500 cases per year in the U.S., maybe a little more than that. Um, globally, about 600,000 cases. Um, and um, so, you know, a, again, trying to get those down is, is obviously a goal of, of all of us in the healthcare field. And
1: If someone gets screened for syphilis during pregnancy, it is caught, it is diagnosed, Um What does treatment look like for them? Is it the same sort of penicillin regimen and that's, you know, safe and tested and confident to be used during pregnancy?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is penicillin again. And yes, it's safe in pregnancy. Um, You know, we have, we've, like I said, I've treated patients for this before, um, and um, you know, penicillin doesn't have any known, you know, birth defects or anything like that, you know. And so, penicillin's safe in pregnancy. Treatment is safe. It's it's definitely, definitely way safer to treat than to let this, you know, go undiagnosed and untreated in pregnancy. So, uh, I definitely would recommend everyone get tested and and treatment if advised.
1: Is syphilis something that you can encounter and become infected with multiple times in your life um, is it something to be like regularly tested for um, I guess I'm just curious how many how how often does somebody need to be worried about it
0: Yeah you know syphilis is interesting in that sense that repeat infections are actually um common or can't you don't like develop a resistance i guess is my thing you know and so you can kind of just keep passing this back and forth you know and actually your reinfections tend to be less symptomatic than a primary infection so um you know i think it's good to be tested on a regular basis if you are in one of those high risk groups that we mentioned um you know and it's it's it, it, that's one of the things where they think that there's these these incidences is that, um, you know, people are potentially just kind of like passing it back and forth. So even if you get treated, you know, if if, if someone that, you know, you are, are sexually active with doesn't get treated, then you can just get it again, you know. And then because you don't necessarily know that you have it because it's not as symptomatic this ne- next time, then you know, you're just going to keep passing it along. And so, you know, for for anyone who, you know, um, is in a high-risk population, you know, you know, you can, I would get tested at least yearly, you know, if, and if, you know, if you're, um, if you're, feel like you need more, then, then you can always come in and get more testing, you know. Um, I think as, as a gynecologist, you know, I'm if you come in and need testing, I have no qualms about ordering it and getting it done for you. Um, and, and so, you know, and, and uh, I just want to encourage anybody that's out there listening, you know, if, if there's any concern about judgment or anything like that, you know, in, in, in our world, you know, we deal with people from all walks of life. And, you know, our goal is only to help make sure you're healthy and the people that, are, you know, you interact with are healthy. So, you know, no judgment from us. Just you know, we want you to be healthy, so come on and get tested if, if there's any concern at all.
1: Overall, then, what are your top recommendations for people to lower their risk for or help prevent the spread of syphilis?
0: Yeah, first things first would be use condoms. You know, I think I think you know uh, a barrier method of contraception is going to be you know the best way to prevent uh, the transmission of. Uh, syphilis um, and I did even see some studies where that wasn't 100% but I mean nothing is 100% but that's going to be your best you know way you know um, next is to get regularly screened and tested um, and especially you know if you're if you have different you know multiple partners or you're engaging in high-risk behaviors such as you know, you know you're exchanging you know sex for money or drugs or anything like that If you're pregnant um, or men who have sex with men, I mean, any of these high-risk populations, I would just recommend come on in and get regularly tested and screened. Um, And then um, as well as, you know, getting prenatal care, if you're pregnant, then, you know, getting prenatal care, we're going to get you in the system, be able to get you tested. um, And uh, those are going to be your best ways to prevent this.
1: (laughs) Dr. Lewowitz, thank you so much for joining me today. This was very helpful and informative conversation. I appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me on today.
1: The Women's HealthCast is a production of the UW-Madison Department of OBGYN. This episode was produced and engineered by Rob Garza. You can find the Women's HealthCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WISCOBGYN. Let us know how we're doing. Rate and review us in your podcast app, and let us know what health issues you'd like to learn about at the link on our podcast page. Thanks for listening.